morning, MCC. How's everybody doing? It's weird to see me without a guitar. It's weird to see you whenever I'm not don't, not holding a guitar. No, I'm just kidding. It's really awesome to see all of you. I'm so, so excited to be able to share my heart on, on scripture and be able to have the opportunity to speak. And let's just all partner together in prayer um, for the Shoemaker family that they brought enough bear spray and that they brought enough. No, they're doing great. They, uh, they're, they're getting some really great rest and relaxation and so excited for them to, to, to take some of that because that's so vital in the opportunity for, for, for I know, to, to pray for pray for church and get re, revitalized back into ready to come back and just do some awesome stuff. And so God's going to use them for great things. Excited for the Shoemaker family. Um, and meanwhile, I'm so excited to go even further inside the book of Hebrews with you guys by going into the next verse and staying there the entire morning. So we're going to go, we're going to snail in our way through Hebrews, but it's because there's so much great stuff that God's been showing us. I know as a staff, as an individual, how God's using this book to be able to shape my faith and knowing who God is as well. So if you'll turn with to Hebrews 7, um, we're going from verse 25 to all the way to verse 26. Um, so we're going to be starting in 26 and ending in 26 today. Um, so go ahead and swing, uh, go over to Hebrews 7, 26. Um, and as you go and turn there, I'm going to read this and then uh, we'll pray and ask God to, to move me out of the way so we can, we can focus in on who he is and what he's doing. So we got Hebrews 7, 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Let's read this one more time. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted among the heavens. Above the heavens, excuse me. Even, even higher than among the heavens, above the heavens. So let's pray and ask God to move. God, we love you. We thank you. You're already here this morning. We can't ask you to be any more here than you already are because you already are within us. You're in this room. Your spirit's here. And this morning we, we come and we humbly lay down our our preferences, our preconceived notions about what and who you are, your character, the way that we view people on earth, God, I pray that you would remove all of those qualities, the imperfections, the, the issues, the blemishes that we have, that you would remove those whenever we look towards you. You are perfect and holy. You know us inside and out. And this morning we ask that you would transform our thoughts and transform our hearts, and what it means to follow you. God, you're good. You're holy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to go one more time through this verse and focus on a specific phrase this time. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. If we don't catch what God, what, the, what God is meaning through this and also what the author of Hebrews is saying through this, if we don't catch this should have point, we're missing the entire, the entire verse. That's why this verse is so big because there's so many layers deep. There's so many things that go into what it means to have a high priest. Because, okay, so let's go back a little bit. Actually, I want you to do something with me. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to... Forget that you are at McDonough Christian Church. 
And I want you to imagine that you are an individual, whoever you are right now, but you have transported back to biblical times. So that's a mom, a dad, male, female, that is a brother or a sister, a daughter, whatever you are. I want you to transport back to biblical times and imagine yourself right in the middle of a town. You're with your family, you go inside after playing, you eat some food, whatever that looks like for you in your stage of life. And then I want you to imagine that somebody in your household or yourself does something that's not in accordance with God's will. From this point, the person that's the head of your household has to go to the priest of that whole city. And they have to go and they have to atone for the sins that either you committed or you have to atone for your own sins by sacrificing and bringing the most expensive piece of livestock that you have. That's not just the livestock. That's not just a pet that lives on a farm. This is your living. This is your currency. This is your, your whole livelihood right here in this one perfect spotless lamb, goat, cow, whatever you want to say. And you have to bring this to the priest whose whole life is devoted and focused on helping humans, including himself, to relate with God in a way that shows that we are extremely sorry for the way that we've disobeyed him and they have to sacrifice that animal. That's your whole months, years, whatever salary, depending on what the gravity of the sin that you committed was. And it may not even be your sin that you committed. This might be somebody who lives underneath your household. Still, it doesn't matter. has to be atoned for. Sit with that thought. That wasn't just a one-time occurrence. That was every single time somebody went against what God had said before Jesus came. You can open your eyes now. Just, just imagine the weight. Imagine the time, the effort, the money, the savings, all of these things that you put your life into. And for some reason which now we know God had to, had to atone. We had to atone for these things with God. Now that we have Jesus and now that he's come and he's died and he's risen, we now have that high priest. We now have the high priest we should have had back then that we, humanity, wasn't ready for. And that is where we are this morning. This is the priest that we should have. Jesus was the priest that we should have had. We, didn't, we don't have to go to anybody anymore. We don't have to go to somebody to confess our sins because Jesus is within us and he died and he rose again for us. Now we go to Jesus 
who lives within us and we're reminded that he died for and he rose again for each and every one of those sins that we've already committed, that we might be committing right now in our hearts or that we will commit years down the road for. He's already forgiven all of it. And there's power in that. So this morning I want you, I want you to imagine that this is the first time you're ever hearing this point of view. Just like whenever you were in, in, the, in the biblical times and you were in the city, I want you to focus in on this being the first time that you are stripping everything away from what we think we know about Jesus being our high priest and let this be refreshing because I know it was for me. I forget just how much we use these words over and over again, especially us church people where we getting up here and we say, like, if I were to look at my wife, Jen, who's sitting right over here and I said, I love you, 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 I love you. I love you. <laughs> Eventually it starts sounding weird and it doesn't really mean much, does it? Sure, I mean, I mean well by it. I have so much passion and so much love for my wife. But that word stops having the meaning it once had if I use it 70 times a day. Eventually it's just another set of words coming out of my mouth. Maybe not to me. Or maybe to me, who knows? Same thing about what we do whenever we are in, in church. We say these things, we say, Jesus is our Lord, Jesus is our savior and all these things and we keep on saying them and we forget just how much power Jesus has within us. We forget how much power the word love has. We forget how much power Jesus has within us and how much he forgives us every single day. So don't let this trap keep you from what God has for you today. Remember that this is the first time we are reimagining what this looks like for Jesus to be the high priest to us. So if that's the case, if he is our high priest, why is he the high priest compared to anybody else? There's tons of thousands and thousands, maybe even millions of priests that have been from biblical times before Jesus to now. So if that's the case, maybe billions, who knows? All of these, all of these priests. Why is Jesus the one that we should have had? Why isn't anybody else, any other human, why is Jesus the one? And the author of Hebrews actually goes into it and talks about it right here. And this is what I really wanted to do a deep dive on today because I, I, I look at these words, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. And they all kind of sound exactly the same. Just like if I were to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. What about if I said, I love you, I care for you, I adore you, all these things. If I kept on saying them, they would start to lose their meaning too. They all start kind of sound the same in the same context and they have the same kind of meaning, but not to me. I keep on saying them. But all of these are so vastly different. Every one of them has such a meaning in our relationship with Jesus and why he is that high priest to us. So we're going to start from the beginning of this, of, this, of this list, and we're going to start with holy. Does anybody know what the word holy means translated from Greek? Anybody? Yeah, set apart. That is one definition, and that is correct, but not here, which is kind of what blew my mind, because that's what I always thought as well. I always thought that, that the word holy meant set apart. But there's actually two different words for, for the word holy in Greek. One of them is hagios, and hagios means 
set apart. This one is hosios. Hosios means undefiled or righteous. Righteous, pure, holy. We think, we know that that's what that word means. And then whenever we look at this in Greek, we, we know about the set apart word, but this is also exactly what it means in Greek as well, that he is righteous. And I don't know about you, but whenever I think about the word righteous or let's use the word pious as well in, the, in place of this, I think about two different things, two different types of people. I think about the type of person that is holy and righteous, the type of person that thank God whenever I was, and I mean that literally, thank God that I had this person in my life as a teen. If I didn't have this person in my life as a teen, I don't know where I would be at right now. I would not be on this stage. I would not be in this church. I would not be, be serving, probably serving Christ at all. But because of this individual in my life that took the time to show me what it meant to be following Jesus and be a man of Christ, even if it was for a short while, he has such an impact on me. I don't know. I, 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 would, not, I would not be a Christian. I view him as holy. I view him as righteous because I know the relationship he has with his father and he doesn't think anything about the fact that, that I view him well. He thinks about how his relationship with Jesus is reflecting Jesus. And that is how I view holiness. The other type of person I think of is the overly righteous and overly pious people in my life. And those are the people and those are the churches and the church leaders that honestly have hurt me that have thought more of themselves than they think about their relationship with Jesus. Now, whenever we get overly pious and overly into what we can do with our relationship with Jesus, we forget that it's all about him. And we start taking the credit for us. That right there is what I think about whenever I think about holy. I think about those two types of people. And we know that Jesus is not the second one. We know that Jesus was not the person who came here to get to, to, to try to shove religion down our throats or to try to do this. In fact, he even, he, he went against religion at the time. He went for his father. He came here to obey his father. And that's the thing that I have to remember whenever I'm thinking about why Jesus is who he is, is because he's holy. But the thing is, you can't achieve this level of holiness or righteousness without with ha while having, while, okay, so you can't actually achieve this like level of, of righteousness and holiness if you have a different agenda going on in the back of your mind. And so that's what the second word means, innocent. We're gonna go another level of Greek. If you haven't figured this out yet, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I don't know Greek. I don't know how to speak Greek. I don't know any of this, but I do know <laughs> that I enjoy diving deep into stuff that I don't know about. So if you wanna like say, hey, you ever listened to this before? I'm like, no, I haven't. I wanna learn everything about that subject. That's a little bit of my ADHD show in there. Um, I just hop from passion to passion to passion to passion and excitement, excitement, excitement. And I get into it and I figure it out and I'm like, oh man, this is really cool. This is different. So as I'm studying scripture this way, and I'm using this now as a superpower to be able to dig into what, to what God intended us to read this for, I'm starting to realize that some of these Greek words are really important, like the word ikakos for innocent. And this breaks down to not, ah, that's the prefix in Greek, and then 
Kakos means malignant. And if you've ever been around somebody with cancer, or if you yourself have ever suffered from cancer before, you know what the word malignant means. You know what that does to the body. You know what that does to you. Back in February, I went to a, I went to Arizona and I went to go visit my uncle who he had just found out a couple months prior um, had a really bad case of stage five kidney, lung, and liver cancer. And he was already kind of on the path um, where he would be passing at any time from the time that we went out there until actually it was the, it was the week after um, that we went there, flew back, and then we found out that he, that he had passed. And I remember I had this vision and this memory of who my uncle was before all of this happened. And he was a massive dude. And I'm talking like six, five, six, six, like a half foot taller than me. Big old dude, like, like Trent size biceps, except he's six, five. So they're like the size of my head and like, and I don't have a small head either. And so he is a big old guy. And then whenever I got to go see him in February, he lost all that muscle mass. And I realized what this word meant that something was living inside of him and it was sucking the life out of him. It was sucking everything dry. It was there to harm him. It was malignant. That is not what Jesus is in our life. That's not who Jesus is within us. He's not there to hurt. In fact, he's there to do the exact opposite. He's there to be innocent. He's with us so that we can know that he is not going to harm us. He's here to love us. He's not harmful. He is innocent. So we have holy, innocent. And because he's not malignant, because he is innocent, he, wasn't even, he didn't even have the opportunity to be touched by the evil of this world, by be consumed by it whatsoever. And that's where we get this next word, unstained. At any given point, Jesus never gave into that temptation that the enemy was trying to give him over and over again. Like I think about the, the time of the desert where he's getting the opportunity to, to, to go and, and spend 40 days and 40 nights away and alone and prepare for what God's got in store for him. And the enemy keeps on trying to, 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 to give him these little pieces of instant gratification and say, hey, you should do this, you should do that. You should throw yourself off this mountain. You should eat this bread because you can just turn this rock into bread, right? You can do that. And Jesus is like, no, 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 we're not doing that. I'm here for my father. I'm here to suffer a little bit. I'm here to focus on what it means to love my father. He, did never, he never gave in to this word unstained, or never gave in to the word that lies beneath the surface being stained with the evils that are in this world. But I'm here to tell you that that is not the case for me and you. I want you to hear me whenever I say this, and I want, to, I want you to hear my heart. There's not a single pastor that you've ever had, not a single pastor that's an MCC, there's not a single person on staff. There's not a single person in your life that even if they meant a lot to you and even if they went outside of their, of their duties to go and really focus in on you and your love for Jesus, that can say that they are going to be your high priest ever. 
pastorship, not pastorship, whatever. Nobody can be your high priest. Only Jesus. Only his love. Only he who, was, who rests inside of us now because of that sacrifice. He is the only one. That's because he was never consumed with that evil. He was never, ever focused on trying to get something else out of life. And that makes him different than me and you. That's where we get to this next phrase, separated from sinners. In the, in the Greek, it kind of dives in a little bit deeper into this, but, but essentially the, the translation directly is having been separated from sinners, which means that he wasn't just on earth and doing his thing and doing miracles and healing people and then dying and rising again. And God's like, congratulations, you passed the test. You got it. Here's your checkbox. And now you are separated from sinners. That's not how this works for him. That's not how he went through life. That's not how God viewed what Jesus was here to do. Jesus was already separated from sinners when he got here. Before he got here, God already knew exactly who Jesus was, sent him here to understand what it means to be human. And even down to the very minute details, especially the fact that he was born unlike any of us here. He was born by somebody who was completely sexually pure. That's Mary. No shadow of a doubt, he made sure he was different. God made sure he was different whenever... Jesus came into this world and he was separated from sinners. And hear me when I say this too, separated from sinners does not mean isolated from sinners. Jesus gave us the opportunity to go and, and make disciples of all nations and be the high priest and people, which we'll get to in a second. That does not mean that we don't go and be with sinners because we're sinners too. Maybe not the God inside of us, but Jesus, the majority of his ministry was spent sitting around the table and lounging with people that didn't follow his father all the time. There were times that he isolated. There were times that he went by himself and got, and got with not just himself, but also his father. But it was never, ever to get away from people. It was to love people more. It was to focus on being obedient to his dad separated from sinners. And so much so that whenever he, whenever he hung there on the cross and he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven, he was exalted above the heavens. He had a destiny. He had a story. He had something to remind us that he is more than we could ever ask or imagine. He's holy. He's innocent. He's unstained. He's separated from us. And because of that, he was exalted into the heavens. And now he sits at the right hand of his father, which is so powerful. That's such good news. That's so, that's so good for us. But, but it's not just he's not just that high priest to us. He's not just all of those things because this is who he is. He's that high priest for a very specific reason in our lives. And it's all of us. It's every single one of us that have the opportunity now to say that God, that Jesus isn't just our high priest to us. He's also the high priest within 
me and you. We have the same power that conquered the grave and it lives inside of us because that's what Jesus left whenever he left earth, the Holy Spirit. That's the very specific reason why all these things started to happen. And in Galatians 2.20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. He's not just this, this person you can go to, to to get these things done and to get the forgiveness that you need and to get the goodness of, of, of God. He's not just somebody you go to anymore. He's not a priest that you just go to and you get your sins forgiven. He lives inside of you and me. He lives in us. We are one now. And the life I now live in the flesh, I, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if he's not just the priest we go to, and he's not just the priest within us, there has to be more to this because he gave himself for us for a very specific reason too. And he can't, he's not just in us for, for, for no reason just to give us exactly what we need all the time. God isn't our magic slot machine that we just, okay, we're gonna put a quarter in and hopefully we'll get a jackpot. Oh, no, we didn't get it this time. I'm mad at the machine. I'm gonna flip the table and just get frustrated. It's, it's not that. That's not Jesus. Jesus is here because he cares for us. Jesus isn't just our high priest to us or in us. Jesus wants to be the great high priest through me and you. Jesus wants people to look at us, humans, sinners, unstained, unholy, and he wants himself to shine through our life. Otherwise, this, would, this verse right here would not be true. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are cho- a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Let's stop on royal priesthood for a second because this is really neat. Because Jesus is a great high priest and he lives inside of us, that makes, and we are now one in Christ and it's Christ who lives in me. We are now a royal priesthood. That's all of us. Every single one of us in this room, that's everybody that you know who's a Christ follower. That's everybody who you know it claims to be a Christian. We are now a royal priesthood, for better or for worse. We are all united through Jesus's blood. Every one of us. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of his darkness and into his marvelous, out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. So if he's calling us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, and he wants us to be the girl priesthood for his purposes, then how do we let God use us? How do we let Jesus live through us? You probably know the answer to this already because we've already kind of said it. <laughs> but... It's by living like we're holy, innocent, unstained. Easy, got it. It's not true. No, I don't have that at all. I'm not even close to that. In fact, this gives, gives me massive anxiety even looking at this list. I, I look at this and I'm like, there's no way that I know that I can live holy, I can live innocently, and I can live unstained for the rest of my life. I know that there is no way to do this. So this, this, this freaks me out. 
I'm just going to be very honest and raw because I look at this list. And if you don't know this about me, I think I shared this early on um, whenever I came on staff here. I used to have panic attacks and anxiety attacks every single night after coming home from church. I would get done for the day. I'd get done working. I would come home. If I wasn't distracted by a video game or I wasn't distracted by a TV show, um, I would go and I would lay in bed and I would lose my breath and I would let my brain start tossing and turning and just get out of control and not be able to handle. Like I couldn't think about conversations I have with people without thinking if I said it wrong. I couldn't handle thinking if we were doing the right thing at church. I couldn't handle knowing certain information that I knew and, and about what we were doing at church and saying, we're not doing this right. I couldn't handle it. And I was just spiraling and I just couldn't get there. But once I realized that this is who I am, once I realized that I was having anxiety issues, I realized one thing about my God and I realized that he is way, way, way more than I could ever ask or imagine. And I started asking God, what can I do? How can I, how can I do this whole anxiety thing? He's like, are the things that you are worried about real? Are they true? And so I would take that time and I would, I would go and I would sit and I would write down every single anxious thought I would sit down, I would, I would take those literally captive in a book and I would write them down every single night. I wouldn't miss a beat, especially whenever I was struggling with this stuff. And then I would go to sleep somehow. Um, I guess that's a, that's a God thing. And I would, because I didn't have to think about it anymore. It was already out. And I would wake up and I would go back through the book and I would look at all these things and I would cross out every single thought that didn't matter anymore. I would look at it and I would say, well, the lawn mowed itself. I would, they didn't really, I mowed it the other day or somebody came and they mowed it for us, which is such a blessing. I would like, I would look at our paychecks and it wouldn't make sense. And I would be, I would just be in awe of what God was doing. I would look at, it just did things that just stacked on top of each other. I would stop worrying about because I knew that I could trust God with those anxieties. I could trust him. And all of a sudden over probably six months, eight months. It took a long time, but over time I started to see those anxieties as opportunities for faith. And that's what started to, to, to form my relationship with Christ to be even stronger. Still have a lot of work to go on that. There are times I still struggle with this, but now I know what to do. And in that, I can also trust that these anxieties, these things, they're going to they're gonna work out. I can cast those things on him. I can rely on him. And that, this, is, this is how we start to do this practically. Because as I start to think about how can I live a holy, unstained, innocent life, I start to realize that there's got to be some action steps somehow. There can't, it can't just be, just do it. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to start working out and then eventually get in shape. It's like, no, if you're only working out for five minutes a day, it's, it, it might help a little bit, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to, you're not going to get the results that you wanted. And so I, I, I'm the kind of person that's a very practical type of person. I've got to have some action steps. I've got to have some things to look for, to be able to, to focus in on what God wants me to work on and work towards. So I, 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 looked, I was looking through some of these verses along with Trent and we were looking through some things and we came across 1 Peter 5, 6, uh, 6 through 10. 
and this rocked my world. There's a six step process to make your life better. I'm just kidding, that's not true. <laughs> it's not about making your life better. It's about focusing more on who gave you your life in the first place. And that's who God is and that's who Jesus is within us. So first Peter five, six or seven, humble yourselves, step one. Hardest step, hands down, because it's so easy to look at what we do and the things that we do and say, wow, look how far I've come. But it's easy, but it's even harder to look at those things and say, wow, look how much work God's done within me. Humble yourselves, number one. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. That's an interesting little throwback into this verse that I thought was really interesting, that he is going to exalt us at the proper time along with his son. That's the whole point. Because whenever he looks at us, he doesn't just see us. He sees the son inside of us. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' perfection, his love, his care. He sees the sacrifice. And that's what God sees whenever he looks at me and you. So he will exalt us at some point. It says this in Revelation. Go tackle that on your own. That's a whole nother sermon I don't have time for. So he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And after I learned that he cares for me and for you, it started to make sense. It started to, to click in my brain because I'm like, how do I just get through all this anxiety? And it's not because of my ability, it's because of how he cares for me. That even if he, he's gonna care for the rocks in the field, the, the, the flowers and the trees, and the, he's gonna care for all those things. So why isn't he gonna take care of his own creation as well? He created that stuff. He's gonna, he created us. Why would he not care for us too? We're gonna move on to 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Here's number three. So we have humble yourselves. We have cast all your anxieties on him. And then another, the, the next step into, into focusing on who God is and what he wants to do through us is by being watchful. Whenever you're in a battle, whenever you're in a war, the enemy is going to try to get to you where you are weakest, your blind spots. This is what he does because your adversity, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You might say, I have this whole lust thing figured out. This porn thing's good. I got, I got, I got this. And then behind you, you're gossiping behind somebody else's back. Or you might say, I, might, I have this whole, this, whole, this whole pride thing on lock, but I'm gonna tell this little white lie about something that I did. And then it's gonna come back and it's gonna feed this pride about myself and remind me of how good I am when in reality, it's nothing that I could do. There's always a blind spot. There's always something that we're not looking for. So that's what he means by be watchful. Because then if we're watchful and we're watching for the enemy in our life, Resist him, firm in your faith. That's step four. Jump into resisting him. Knowing, resisting him as in our enemy. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There's five. Let's replace brotherhood with royal priesthood for a second that we are all now a royal priesthood. So that means that everybody within the circle of people who believe in Christ, 
That royal priesthood is here to support one another because you can't win a battle by yourself. You've got to have somebody looking at the blind spot behind you and then you're looking at theirs too. So this is my shameless plug to say, get in a small group. Get in something that has the opportunity to give you people around you to look for those blind spots so you can continue to learn what it means to, to live a holy, innocent, unstained lifestyle. That seems like it's impossible, but really it's not us. It's not, it's not our ability. It's Jesus' inside of us. So don't forget, brotherhood. So, so important in our relationship with Christ because he gave us one another to be able to rely on him. And finally, we have 1 Peter 5.10. And after you've suffered a little while, I don't like that part. I'm just gonna be honest. Like, that's not like a, that's not like a, if you suffer a little bit or like I could do this and it's gonna be like, and it might be hard for a little while, but also like you can get over it. No, it says, and after you've suffered for a little while, after you've suffered a little bit, after you've gone through some hard stuff, after you've put up the fight against the things that the enemy's trying to throw your way, after you've tried to fight against the bitterness towards the person you lost in the car accident, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore. He's gonna heal that within you. He's going to restore you. Confirm, he's gonna remind you who he is in you, who Jesus is in you. Strengthen, he's going to put you back up on your feet and give you that muscle mass again to fight and resist the enemy and be strong in your faith and establish you and remind you that you've already been established in the royal priesthood of our king. This is God's promise to us. This is what he did through his son, Jesus. And every single time we look at who he is, every single time we look and we think about how do I, how do I get closer to God or how do I live this life differently or what do I do? Every time, remember, remember, remember that it's him inside of you, not yourself. I have to remind myself of this all the time. One of the things that we are predisposed to as I'm the worship pastor here at MCC, if I don't know you yet, and just to give you a little bit of background on me, being a musician comes with a level of pride that sometimes we forget about is a very real thing. And I have to fight that pride all the time and remind myself it's not me who gave me this gift. I did not learn how to do this by myself. God set this within me and I have to remember this is not for me, this is for him. This is for my father. This is for people to be able to look at me and hopefully, even though I'm not perfect and even though I'm not, I don't have it all together. Hopefully people can look at me and see Jesus within me. And whenever you're starting to feel like, maybe I don't have what it takes, maybe I can't, I, I like what if I don't like, I can't be holy, I can't be innocent, I can't be all those things. Honestly, you can't. That's just the real, honest, raw truth. I, I can't, you can't, we can't do that by ourselves. That's where Jesus within us comes in. And he reminds us that we are holy, innocent, 
and unstained in the Father's eyes because every time the Father takes a look at us, he doesn't see the issues that we have. He sees the forgiveness that Jesus gave through his sacrifice and his love for us on the cross. That, that right there is what God sees. And we don't see that in ourselves hardly ever. We forget that that's what the God of the universe thinks about his children. So when you think you don't have enough, when you think you can't do it, do it anymore, when you think you can't keep on going, don't forget that Jesus within you is what gives us that strength. And this is all, every single piece of, of these scriptures, every single bit of this is not a self-help guide. This is so that other people can look at you and see what God wants to do through you, but so other people can also look at you and see Jesus. And so that Jesus can be a royal priesthood through us, through our imperfection, through our issues, and through Jesus's perfection and through his love. To go back a little bit to the, to the priesthood thing. Don't forget that the priest's job back in biblical times were, was to be devoted and focused on who God is. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do too. That Jesus was that final sacrifice. Jesus was that final piece of the puzzle that God has set up for years and years and years. And God broke the timeline and the lineage of who was allowed to be a priest. So before this, all of these priests were all Levites. This is where we get the Levitical Levi law. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he's from the tribe of Judah. And that doesn't make sense. Actually, I'm not gonna go down, I'm gonna go up. Where he, this is the perfect priest that we should have had. He's not a man fully. Actually, yeah, he is. He's a full man and he's also full God. And that's what makes him the perfect priest because he knows what we go through when he resisted it and he is perfect and he is all God. So he knows what it means to forgive. So today, as we, as, as we wrap up and as we take communion with one another, this is our opportunity to remember something really important. That all of these things are meant to, to remind us what it means for God to be a high priest, for Jesus to be the high priest through us, not just in us or to us, but what it looks like for other people to look at you and look at me and say, I see Jesus in your life. I can promise that I don't get that right half the time, a quarter of the time, but I wanna keep on focusing on trying to do it and letting Jesus be that within me. And one of the ways that we can do that as a church, as a royal priesthood, as one family, is by communion. So we're gonna break the mold a little bit where we usually have time to, to, to focus on communion on our own. And we're gonna do this as one family. We did this at the first service too. So I want you to get a communion cup if you haven't gotten one or if you don't know where they are, you can go ahead and head out these doors real quick. There are a few communion cups on either side of the door. Um, and grab one of those and we're gonna do this as a royal priesthood. So if you're new with us, this is an opportunity for you to learn what communion here at MCC looks like. So first we're gonna take, for those of us that have it, if you don't, it's okay. Whenever you get to your seat, 
go ahead. Go ahead and take the first layer off and grab the cracker. And let this be reminded that this is the body of Christ that hung on the cross for you, that was broken for you, that loved you and cared for you, that you can cast all your anxieties on, that suffered for you. So take and eat and remember, this is symbolism, remember that Jesus laid himself down for you so that you could have eternal life. Take and eat and remember it's of him. Next, take the, uh, take, the, take the juice underneath the cracker, peel that part off, and remember that this is the blood of Christ. This is symbolic of the blood of Christ poured out for you. Take and drink in remembrance of what he did for you. After you take that, let's take some time. This is also different. Let's take some time in silence. I want you to meditate on who God is, I want you to meditate on his goodness, his love for you, and how we can be a royal priesthood and how people can look at you and see Jesus within you.